I'm Anna Webb. This is A Dog's Life. Well, Mr. Binks, you know I love a good read about dogs. And there's a new book out called Dog's Best Friend, which I have just finished. It's all about our shared history. And we're about to jump on Zoom with the author, Simon Garfield, to find out what inspired him to write such a wonderful book. Simon, welcome to A Dog's Life. Thanks, Anna. Very nice to talk to you. No, indeed, indeed. I feel really honoured, actually. You know, I know you've written a lot of books, not least about uh, Radio 1 and the Mini, which particularly interests me as well, because I've been a, a Mini driver really for all my life, actually. I love the Mini. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's odd, really. I've been very fortunate. I used to just do journalism, and then I kind of realised that um, the problem, even with doing feature articles, is that you never really get to the bottom of things and and you know the, there's a a real I mean that's in a way it's the glory of podcasts as well is you can just sort of chat for half an hour and you've got a, a you know a pretty good chance of of covering a lot of topics um and I in a way I think the podcast now is the equivalent of uh, you know, to the the normal kind of brief radio interview, uh, to what an article is to a book. And I was, I've been very lucky recently to be able to write about things that that I love, which include uh, the mini and uh, obviously obviously dogs as well. Oh yes, well dogs, you know, are my passion. You know, I was like you, Simon. Um, you grew up with dogs, didn't you? You've been, you know, um, honoured to have many dogs through your life. Yeah, I've had I've had three dogs through my life. So the first one uh, was a basset hound called Gus, who was not the sharpest uh, tool in the box, I don't think. Um, <laughs> gorgeous dog, um, and like all basset hounds, uh, prone to you know because of their ears and stuff, sort of prone to all sorts of infections all the time. In fact, because I, I had him when I was a kid, and that's sort of the one thing that I remember more than anything is um, a tagging him for walks on the heath. And also um, sort of him being at the vet, sort of being sort of dealt with with kind of various things. But he was he was a gorgeous dog and he was that classic dog that as a um, as a kid, I begged my parents, you know, any dog, any dog, any dog. I don't know how we ended up with the a basset hound as opposed to any other dog, because I don't think I necessarily, you know, sort of wanted one of those. And my my dad had no relation. My dad was not a dog uh, la- lover at all, and he had no relationship with that dog, but uh, but my mum did, and, uh, and, and I loved him, of course. And then um, when my kids were growing up, I needed no persuading to get um, a yellow lab um, called Chewy, who was um, gorgeous in all ways, died age of 10. Um, uh, of uh, he, he had cancer for about a year, poor thing. Oh. And yeah, that classic thing that labs have you know um i think it began in his hips and uh and ah oh, taking you know i kind of thought well you know at least after a you know a year of illness and lots of drugs and everything else um um i thought oh well i'll be used to him passing you know i i'll or, or rather i'd be i you know i i would have i would have kind of geared up for it and then of course 
we, we took him to the vet and I was in sobs of tears. We all went, you know, my kids as well. And ah, inconsolable. It's, it's, that is the big issue, isn't it, really, that dogs don't live as long as we would like. And, and it's that lesson, I think, when, when they leave us, you can be as prepared. I know, you know, I've been through it. Or, and um, you can be as prepared and as sanguine about it as you like. But the, the loss is beyond inconsolable. And, and dogs, in this way, I think, do you agree, they become like chapters in our lives. And your chapter now, of course, is with Ludo. Yes, exactly. Who's who's 13 and a half and um an elderly gent but um he's he's um pretty healthy he's, he's he is actually wearing one of those plastic cones of shame uh because oh. he's he's i mean i don't know we've got off we've got off to a start where we're talking about disease and i know exactly <laughs> but anyway he's lying here on uh, my feet with the uh, cone on he's just had something uh, removed from his uh, from his cheek, but he's basically fine and uh, healthy, and it it was not it was not uh, malignant, so that's great. And that is great because you know he's defining everything for you in a way at the moment. I mean, um, I'm sure it wasn't just Ludo that inspired this work. I, maybe it had a bit to do with Nietzsche along the way. <laughs> yeah, who said that basically, you know, we, we tell we tell the story of humanity through our dogs and, and you know, how true that is. And, you know, as you said, I think dogs def do define chapters in, uh, you know, in our, our lives. And uh, yeah, he was actually, this is um, um, something I haven't really talked about. I certainly didn't talk about it um, in, in the book, but um, he was even more in the book actually than than he is now so the first draft had him as um the narrator now dogs as narrators oh in really novel. yeah so dogs as, as narrators in fiction as we know happen quite a lot and oh, i absolutely you know. love it i mean my favorite book you mention in the book <laughs> which is virginia of wolves ah, flash. flash yeah absolutely. you know i mean absolute classic i read that probably when i was way before i studied virginia wolf at school and, and so on i love her anyway uh, but this was just genius yeah well so so many books you know have dogs have uh, so many novels now have dogs as uh, narrators so there's one which i really like as well by andrew o'hagan no where, mine too math yeah math exactly so marilyn monroe's dog who obviously sees everything you know and uh, and knows everything and has is the keeper of the secrets um yes. <laughs> uh, a maltese i think i think it was anyway so yeah, yeah. i thought okay well i thought how about a book of history of of dogs and you know our relationship with dogs written by a dog and i began that way and i uh, thought oh well this is kind of great my editor however felt that this is too surreal and um it's just too too sort of um, niche and um, persuaded me that although he could be as you know there are conversations that he has in the book um, towards the end but um, so happy to have him uh, in the book but maybe not as the uh, narrator so I, I sort of redid the first draft a bit but fortunately he still has um, conversations with other dogs um, and yeah, I he was, does. I yeah, love I was, that bit. That's great. You know, because it kind of tackles the the big sort of thrust, I would say, of the last 12 years and when you and Ludo have obviously been together, which is this um, anthrop... I can never say the word. Go on, you say anthropomorphism. We can do it together, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, because I mean, it's not new, is it? No, it's not new. I mean, that was, you could say in a way that um, our, our bond with dogs that goes back, you know, 10... 
10,000 years minimum, maybe 15, maybe 20,000 years, has always been a slightly anthropomorphic experience. So, you know, the, the idea of making dogs more human to our advantage. So, the, you know, they we began living with them. They hung around our dwelling places and um, they loved the scraps that we left out. And uh, I think they probably loved the protection that we offered. We obviously found them very useful for hunting and warmth and, and comfort and, you know, protection as well, all those things. Um, and then over the centuries, uh, we we have found more and more uses for the dogs, and hopefully, we haven't tried to make them too human. But it's it's pretty obvious. In Victorian times, there was a kind of switch. There was a gearing up where you know we tried to to have dogs as kind of circus animals and performers. And there's a a, a picture that I absolutely love, which I think the first picture. Um, in 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 my book of um, a Victorian lord in a top hat and a pipe, um, and he's already, as I say, for you know a big night out, and he's got he's got a jacket on, and this is 150 odd years ago, and obviously that dog is a Labrador, and um, he is you know he is he he's he's been photographed as a human, and um, so it's it isn't it isn't anything. Uh, new. I, I suppose the big question is, is, is the balance tipping too far? I don't know what you think about that. I agree, you see. You know, in your preface, you wrote about how you say, how did it come to this, that we now take our dogs to the cinema? Mm. Which uh, actually I love doing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually think that has been the most inspired development of dog friendliness. <laughs> um, and I, I, I've been to many screenings, you know, and I enjoyed them thoroughly. And the whole, whole totally dottiness of it, really. Um, not least how the picture house at Piccadilly has gotten away with it. Oh, you know? <laughs> well, that's true. So I get yeah, that. I mean, that's right. So I, you, you're, you're right. The picture house in Piccadilly um, came on board. And the one that I mentioned was the exhibit cinema in uh, Balham, um, where exactly the same kind of thing. And they began by showing dog movies. And then obviously they ran out of dog mo- dog movies, you know, so it was all yeah. Lady and the Tramp and, and Isle of Dogs and those kind of things. And then in the end, it just became normal movies where you could take your dog. I mean, I felt, um, yeah, and I've, I, I feel slightly awkward about that, although, you know, like you, I did... I, I, you know, have partaken of of those joys. <laughs> yeah. Um, if only, if only because, it, you know, you you're not leaving your your dog uh, behind. Well, I don't exactly. think they get. Yeah. I, I, sorry, Anna. I don't think they get a huge amount from the movie itself. No, but they're not left alone. Um, yeah. You know, that's the thing. I I've been to the cinema more with these dog friendly screenings than I ever did with my when my own my first miniature bull terrier Molly, as I would think. Oh, oh, I can't leave you behind. There's plenty to watch on telly. So I hardly ever went to the cinema because it was one area where you couldn't take your dog. But you know, I would postulate Simon. The, the title of your book, Dog's Best Friend. At times reading this, I might suggest a question mark after Dog's Best Friend rather than it being um, a statement. Because, you yeah. know, I think in many ways, the dog friendliness has got a little bit uh, ridiculous. Not least, you know, Pets at Home announced last week, right, that in the last three months, they have turned over 302 million quid. 
Blimey. So that's selling stuff in inverted commas uh, for our dogs, you know, and some of this stuff arguably maybe isn't even very good for our dogs. So yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. I mean, dogs. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of my question mark. I mean, you're right. It could absolutely dogs, best friend question mark would be um, kind of, you know, very a just title as well. I think, I mean, my questioning began, I think, when I started looking at those modern pictures of dogs dressed up, especially on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, and, and I, I question also, you know, the, the, those great William Wegman uh, photographs of his um, Weimaraners. And I'm, I'm really torn. I, you know, I love looking at those pictures. I love looking at those images online, uh, you know, the silly things about, you know, Sharpe or or croissant and or, or you know <laughs> Dalmatian or chocolate chip ice cream and you know all those kind of kind of sort of things and you kind of think okay you know isn't this fun and and no dogs are harmed you know but then when dogs are dressed up as sort of you know that I talk about meeting some uh, Italian greyhounds who were dressed up in um, dinosaur suits and yes. I kind of think oh, that's sort of what actually is that is that about you know how does that really benefit the dog um but of course you know gosh i mean we we had to talk about this um and you know haven't we is that lockdown has just transformed everything in terms well, it, absolutely. of attention with, with our dogs it is absolutely it is extraordinary and it's interesting because your book um, ended just as the pandemic began and a year on we've we've seen probably the most radical shift in dog ownerships i mean we are now i would say living with the most dogs that we've ever lived with globally than ever before in i'm, sure, I'm 20... sure that's right yeah and as such a lot of dogs are ending up <laughs> being rejected sold on this thing that we now have called the internet treated as commodities or being evicted from homes because there's no pet clauses in leases that seems to be a bit in contrast with the general trend of dog friendliness there's a lot going on it's, it's probably as kind of bouncy in the sort of world of dogs as it was in the victorian era when we were kind of just making our way in life I, th I th yeah no i mean it, it is it is very interesting and i think there's we don't know um, on balance, whether how this is going to work out for dogs, I think. So, um, you know, I think you're absolutely right about the, you know, the, the rescue shelters. Initially, they were kind of cleared out. They couldn't believe, you know, how that that even the the least popular dogs, the dogs that weren't ever being picked from the rescue shelters, were now finally finding a home. And obviously, the the price of dogs has gone up huge amount and you know it's it's um one 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 really fears for the owners who who aren't aware and who are buying dogs that have been you know either maltreated uh, or even kidnapped or dognapped you know well, dog theft yes, Simon. all of absolutely. that i know and, and dog theft is absolutely escalating and whilst government has been great with animal welfare you know we've got finn's law now in place to protect service animals in the line of duty lucy's law lucy's law yeah yeah prevent third party sales you know a lot's going on recently but still the 1968 theft act is still our law for property that gets stolen and dogs are still considered chattel in the court of law oh, it's, yeah, it's ex extraordinary that really i mean i think uh, and obviously that's as a result of demand and it's sort of also the fact that people 
unfortunately, because um, you know the, the 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 demand is so high, they maybe aren't doing the research that they need to do, both in terms of where the dogs come from, and also you know the amount of of, of care and love and time and everything else that, that we know we need to spend with, with dogs. Um, I think the um, the big question though is is you know obviously what's going to happen when lockdown finally ends and we get back to some sort of normality sort of both in terms of um you know what will happen to our dogs in in a in a kind of psychological way you know so now obviously hopefully i'm talking about you know dogs that are in great homes and um uh, and, and you know, new dogs, old dogs, and um, being fully cared for—they're going to be totally bewildered when yes. we yes. return to some sort of work. You know, it's—it'll it, be a bizarre. I mean, I work from home most of the time anyway. But you know, if you have a dog and you normally go to the office, the dog will say, you know, is saying, "I don't know what what the dog is uh, thinking." The dog may be thinking, "This is brilliant. My owner is with me all the time," or they may say, "Thank God they've got love, out." Yeah, I used to love the the peace. You know, I used yes. to love being on my own. Being able to raid the bins or whatever it was you well, know but this is this is what your book's really really going into and it's highlighting so much new science which i particularly love so i'm a bit of a dog nerd and it seems that we've got the technology now we've got the science we have genetic tests we've got mri scans we've all got all these great things that we didn't have in the 1940s in fairness but what do you think this obsession this craving to really understand in detail about a dog's olfaction, for example, or how a dog reads our facial expressions. Why are we so obsessed with it, Simon? I think we're obsessed with it because we can do it now. We understand way more because of genetics. That was the big change. Mm. Um, and also people have realized that actually dogs are worth the science. They're worth the work. They're worth the kind of grant money from science bodies. So for for, for up until, I don't know, I'd say about 40 or 50 years ago, if you were a, a zoologist or someone else in, involved in um, animal research, dogs weren't considered a terribly good kind of research value, if that's, if that's not an awful phrase. So th th you, you often wouldn't get the money to research dogs, and they were seen as pets rather than an, you know, interesting animals worth uh, researching and, and finding out more about, you know, their psychology and their health and diseases and all, all, all of that. And, uh, and that's changed. Yeah. You know. I mean, look, COVID dogs, you know, medical detection dogs. I launched the charity actually in 2008. So I'm very fond of oh, our own homegrown. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, a dog's olfaction is something I adore. You know, I'm actually training my own dog Prudence as a laugh, really, Simon, but maybe <laughs> a plan B. You never know through these times, Olivia. So I've trained her to sniff out truffles. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a Oh, truffle. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow, truffle. Yeah. I'll it's a bit of a laugh because. <laughs> Bull terriers aren't known for really being very um, obedient, shall we say, and they are known to be extremely stubborn. I just want to take you back to the to the science of it, because I mean, so what's happened, as I said, is you know, it's, it's, but now, of course, as you said, you can't really move for new uh, research coming out about dogs and new understanding about dogs, and there were so many dog science journals and all of that, and I just think. Most of that is great. I would say, you know, 90% of that benefits the dog. It benefits uh, vets. It benefits our understanding of, you know, how to treat diseases. And as, as has always been the case, we help dogs, they help us um, in, you know, in terms of, um, you know, sniffing out diseases, being there, you know, for 
warning people of epilepsy, um, you know, all the things that we know about those incredible talents that, that, that dogs have to help us. The downside for me, and there always is a, a scientific downside with, with, you know, great development and advances, is the cloning is the the way we're going now that fact that we understand so much about a dog's dna and our own dna and i sort of end the well not quite end the book on this but you know the the warning really is that you know we may love our dogs almost too much that we can't bear to think that we're that they're going to we're going to lose them and there are places more and more especially in america springing up in Texas, also in in um, in, in South Korea, where mm. you know for a large amount of money we can clone our dogs, and that's something I think that you know Tor, you you mentioned about kind of you know laws and and um, and and protect, protecting our worst instincts, and I think we definitely need some some more thinking about that because um, you know the idea of, of of kind of cloning a dog because we can't bear to lose them for me is 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 taking it is taking the science too far i mean yeah i i definitely agree i remember when dolly the sheep was cloned and i felt so sorry for dolly um and i thought what is this saying about us where's this going to go are we going to clone humans this is a very scary science that breaks what's natural and I think exactly. when you mess with nature, my father always used to say that to me, actually, and I never meddle with nature, he would say. And so true. But Barbara Streisand, indeed, did uh, break the break his rules, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, there's no, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's no sort of underestimating what um, people with enough money um, will do, but it's, uh, or, or the opportunity, but it's... Um, it, it's yeah it's for, for me that's just a, a scary you know no matter how much we love our dogs that's a kind of scary thing and obviously actually what happens is we don't get the same dog back <laughs> we get yeah. a dog uh you know uh, which shares some cells and uh looks vaguely like the dog and it's sort of you know we're kidding ourselves really i think that's the that's the key no, I, I, I agree completely. And it's almost as though it's our fate that we have to go through the devastating pain. And as something else my dad used to say, actually, um, oh, he taught me everything about dogs. Um, but anyway, he, he would say the hair of the dog cure <laughs> has got nothing to do with hangovers, but everything <laughs> to do with healing your heart. But that's something else you touch on in the book, which I, I, I really enjoy. I find it quite funny. It's all of the dog centric language and semantics where we're adopting now as though dogs have really they're now invading our language yeah that, that I mean everything I can't remember you know half of them now but the idea of, of, of dog you know being dog tired and as you said kind of hair of the dog and working like a dog and <laughs> and, and 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 you know a book if you turn over the pages it becomes dog-eared and you know all all of that kind of stuff is um is is great it just shows how much a part of their uh, how much part of our lives um, they've become. Obviously, though, dogs don't always come out of their, those expressions awfully well, you know. Um, I, 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 you know, dog tired. Is, is a dog more tired than a cat? I don't think so. You know, I don't think, you know, in that sense. So I'm not quite sure why dogs. And also, you know, a dog's uh, breakfast is always something you're not yeah. supposed to like. But my dog has a great breakfast. So yeah. it's a... Or so a dog's dinner, you know, <laughs> yeah, which dog's usually dinner. describes my cooking. But... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, exactly. But why is that? You know, so we malign dogs in language with these phrases that have been used uh, over time. Yet, you know, we applaud them and we want to clone them at the same time. Yeah, it, it is interesting. But of course, um, you know, um, the, the, the ultimate, I mean, maybe you should say this because I'm not sure whether how well this goes down on the on on your pod. But the um, <laughs> the, the the ultimate accolade, of course, is is a dog's. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there you go. And uh, so it's 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 not all bad. No. So would you say, in a nutshell, Simon, you know, your book is it exploring some kind of deep-rooted shared humanity that we have as humans? We're all interconnected. We've all evolved over the same time span, eaten the same food, breathe the same air. So are we, are we investigating our shared humanity that we can't still pin down totally because despite all of this science and despite all of the genetics, we cannot pinpoint yet when the wolf turned into the dog. It's interesting that the, the, the scientists, as you say, you know, huge, huge amount of a sort of modern understanding. And, 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 you know, we have insights now into, um, into the olfactory system, into, into exactly, you know, since Tasha, the boxer was, were, you know, had, had her, um, her genome fully uh, investigated. And uh, so we, you know, we, we know about dogs relationships genetically with other dogs and with humans and everything else. But the big question, as you say, is, is when the grey wolf um, sort of turned into the dog. We, we know that that happened. At least now scientists agree that, that you know, dogs develop, did, did develop from uh, grey wolves. And we also have a pretty good idea of why. So, you know, the thing I mentioned before about them hanging around we found them useful. They found it useful um, to be around us, and and that and that hasn't changed, and that's really explored in the book. But you're right. We we the estimates about when that happened range from about fifteen thousand to about forty thousand years ago, and we we get new bits of information every now and then. You know, so we we there was there would there would be a new you know bit of dog dog um, leg or, or dog muzzle, you know, found somewhere in, it could be anywhere, Eastern Europe, Africa, you know, all, all over uh, recently. And then that obviously gets um, genetically fingerprinted, as it were. And, and then we have a close idea. But that doesn't, that doesn't tell us the, you know, the whole tale. The one thing that we, we do have now, um, so three years ago, um, an anthropologist um, discovered in Saudi Arabia the first, what we think is the first uh, carvings of uh, depicting dogs on a lead and dogs hunting with humans. And that was about, they reckon, between 6,000 and 8,000 years BC. So that's the first visual mm. image. You know, that was, that was the first sort of the earliest Instagram picture of, of, <laughs> yes. a, of a human it- and a dog. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, through both art and literature, through time, beginning there, okay, well, you know, 6,000 years BC, but to now on Instagram, <laughs> you know, oh dear, it's, got, it's changed, has it? <laughs> it is mad, really, it is mad. And, you know, as I, as I said, it's sort of, um, one questions all that stuff, uh, but, and, and I do feel slightly guilty enjoying those kind of images when, you know, when, when someone sends me an image of, 
you know, a bulldog with, with glasses and, and a photoshopped Kangol hat on his head and he looks like Samuel L. Jackson. I kind of think <laughs> that's kind of great and it is funny and it's quite hard not to pass it on to other people. But then there's a question of like, okay, so what are we really doing here? You know, why don't we just let the dog be the dog? And, yes. And, and that's a nice, I, I love that. Actually, there is, there is a very nice quote um you know a sort of epigram at, at the uh, beginning i'm hunting for it now it says that the- i've got them in front of me i yeah, think yeah. the three great quotes it's like, so i think this is brilliant i mean so well go on you read the one roger Karras, this one okay i'll read that one so he says if you if you don't own a dog at least one there is not necessarily anything wrong with you but there may be something wrong with your life yes food for thought the yeah. one i really like is by temple grandin The fact that a dog can smell things a person can't doesn't make him a genius, but it makes him a dog. Exactly, exactly. And and that's sort of the real essence. That's, uh, you know, the thing we always have to ask ourselves when we buy all this stuff. You know, I went to... Well, I went to Crafts, obviously, the, the last one that was held, and I, I went to Discover Dogs, and I absolutely loved going to, you know, both of those shows. Um, but the amount of stuff that's on sale is clearly for humans and not or the huge majority of it is clearly for kind of humans and 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 not for for dogs and um i i um you know i i we spoil as a family we spoil a ludo to the nth um degree um and it's but it's kind of hard to resist this stuff i mean that's the thing i think is that you know that we do have you know millions of people follow you know these dogs that have their own twitter account and all that kind of stuff and we do dress them up and and we we have all these all this kind of you know anthropomorphic element of trying to imprint you know human thought on onto dogs you know they do are they do they look guilty do you know all those kind of things can dogs smile are they happy do they have a sense of humor so we're imprinting all these anthropomorphic elements on there but it's it's done ultimately, I think, out of love. And, and that's the thing that's sort of reassuring. It's, you know, by and large, we do obviously hear terrible horror stories of, of maltreatment of dogs. But I think all that excessive element of, of putting our, our, our kind of human thoughts uh, onto dogs and, and, and making them maybe look more human uh, shows our devotion rather than anything else. Yes, and it is all about intention in life. And and I think dogs, m- most recently, Simon, have, have made us understand what love means perhaps a bit more in, in a simple way and how kindness and com- being compassionate and living in, in the moment um, is so important. So I think they're, they're, they're rising to the challenge to help us really in our darkest hour at the moment. Oh yeah, without doubt. I mean, the the you know the the va- value of of dogs, especially if you live alone um, as a companion, and obviously now during you know lockdown, can there be anything better than going for a walk with your dog? You know, it's, no, absolutely not. Dog, dog, and let's hope more people are walking them. Simon, yeah, I, that's true. I, I get a bit upset seeing so many dogs being walked by dog walkers when be good for that owner to get out and spend some one to one time enjoying the yeah. dog. who's then enjoying being a dog yeah I mean I have a it's interesting because I I, I've only thought about this recently and I haven't written very much about this in the in you know in in the book but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after um, lockdown and 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 and, you know hopefully when we're all vaccinated and uh, the, the the pandemic is a history um is that 
will we change our long-term habits towards dogs? Um, you know, will we end up working at home more as a result of the pandemic? Will we be going to the offices and shops and everything else a bit less? Will will so the dog, although maybe bewildered you know and saying why why is the owner here why, why is my owner here now and what's going to happen when they go back and how will they, they be psychologically affected i kind of hope actually one long-term result of the pandemic may be that we 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 change our relationship with dogs to the better in other words we do spend more time with them we we realize the value that they bring to our lives more and how important they've been and hopefully we kind of repay that even when the pandemic is over oh i hope so i i would like to think exactly the same and i i think there's hope that that will happen oh i well i can just so recommend your book simon and it's it's a great education and it's inspirational it's funny and so it's out now isn't it simon the book. It, uh, yeah it's out yeah it's basically out in a week i mean obviously the uh, i mean it's great talking to you anna because it's uh, it's a very odd experience for me um, launching a book when all the bookshops are closed. It's a very, I mean, obviously, thank goodness for Amazon, thank goodness for Waterstones, <laughs> thank goodness for all the other, um, you know, online um, books, uh, you know, booksellers and all the all the smaller kind of bookshops, you know, sort of, um, you know, selling um in any way they can, um, obviously through the post, and some are doing click, click and collect, and all of that kind of stuff as well. And um, so, but you know, thanks to, to to you for for being able to spread the word. Oh, not at all. Here's to chatting again. Oh, I'm sure we will. The next I'm sure we will. Yeah, very good, Anna. <laughs> oh, thanks, Simon. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I thought you'd agree that dressing up dogs is a bit silly. I hope you all enjoyed it too. And if you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, as we're on all the platforms and it really does help other dog lovers find us. Thanks to Simon Garfield and links to buy his book are in the show notes. I can't recommend this book enough. Thanks to my producer, Mike Hansen, and Pod People Productions for the music and production as ever. Follow them on at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm on at AnnaWebDogs or visit my website, AnnaWeb.co.uk, where you can book some training sessions, read my blogs, and order some key products that I endorse. We'll be back in your feed next Sunday for another episode of A Dog's Life with Anna Webb. Bye for now. Thank you.